Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 158, where we will pick things up in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 21. And the section title says, God's Sword of Judgment. The Word says, The Word of the Lord came to me again. Son of man, face Jerusalem and preach against the sanctuaries. Prophesy against the land of Israel and say to it, This is what the Lord says. I am against you. I will draw my sword from its sheath and cut off from you both the righteous and the wicked. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to cut down or, or cut off you both, the righteous and the wicked. That doesn't seem to be fair to me, but this is the word of the Lord. That I guess, you know, he, he was so fed up with their atrocities and whatnot um, uh, that he has promised here to cut them both off. But we have to remember that the Lord sees life differently than we see life. The Lord sees life in its continuous, everlasting or with its continuous everlasting properties, we only see life uh, as far as physical life as we know it, you know, birth and death. But there's much more to life than just the physical life as we know it. And then in verse 4, it says, Since I will cut off both the righteous and the wicked, my sword will therefore come out of its sheath against all humanity from the south to the north. In verse 6, it says, But you, son of man, groan grown bitterly with a broken heart right before their eyes. And when they ask you, why are you groaning? Uh, then say, because, the, because of the news that is coming, every heart will melt and every hand will become weak. Every spirit will be discouraged and all knees will run with urine. <laughs> yes, it is coming and it will happen. This is the declaration of the Lord God. And so this is what, again, Ezekiel is prophesying to the people. I can only imagine how it felt to be Jeremiah or Ezekiel saying to your people repeatedly over and over again the dire things that are going to happen to them. That couldn't have been easy. And it says in verse 12, it says, Cry out and wail, son of man, for it is against my people. It is against all the princes of Israel. They are given over to the sword with my people. It says all the princes, all the kings of, 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 uh, of Judah, everybody is given over along with the people. It says they are given over uh, to the sword with my people. Therefore, strike your thigh in grief. So I guess this was a sign or of, uh, a gesture of the day that would demonstrate visually, you know, intense grief. It says in verse 13, surely it will be a trial. And what if the sword despises even the scepter? Now, what does this mean? What is the sword? What if the sword even despises the scepter? The scepter is a symbol of royalty, of, of rulership. And so what the word is saying here is, um, what if the sword even comes against the royal line? You know, and then God says the scepter will not continue. This is the declaration of the Lord. So what does this mean? What this means is that when the sword comes, the sword is representing the Lord sending Babylon uh, to take the Judeans into captivity. It says, even come against the scepter, meaning that this will be the end of the line of kings from the throne of David as we know it. And so we know that uh, Zedekiah, uh, who was taken to Babylon and blinded by King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the last king of Judah. You know, he was the last king of, of both, you know, since um, Hosea, I think it was, was the last king in, um, in Israel. And this is 150, 200 years later. The last king of the Israelites is Zedekiah. And so uh, it says this is the declaration of the Lord. Now, 
We know that Jesus was from the line of David, and so Jesus' reign is from his time and forever after that, through all eternity. So God upheld his word with regard to David always having a king on the throne. And so let's go on. We are going to go on to chapter 22, and it says, Indictment of Sinful Jerusalem. And it says, the word of the Lord came to me. As for you, son of man, uh, will you pass judgment? Will you pass judgment against the blood, against the city of blood? (laughs) It's almost like he's kind of challenging Ezekiel. The Lord is saying, what about you, son of man? Will you pass judgment? Will you actually pass judgment on the city of blood? Then explain all her detestable practices to her. And so we go on uh, through a litany of detestable practices. Let's pick it up within uh, verse 9. And it says, uh, there are men within you, yeah, there are men within you who slander in order to shed blood. People who live uh, in, people who live in you eat at the mountain shrines. You see, so there are people who are amongst you who go up and, 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 and eat at the shrines of the idols and foreign gods. It says they, they commit depraved acts within you. Then in verse 10, it says, Men within you have sexual intercourse with their fathers' wives and violate women during their menstrual impurity. One man within uh, one man within you commits a detestable act with his neighbor's wife. Another defiles his daughter-in-law with depravity, and yet another violates his sister, his father's daughter. Now I think what this means is his half uh, half sister, because polygamy of the day I guess was pretty commonplace. And so when he says his father's daughter, I think he may mean with uh, with the daughter of one of uh, his other wives, not his mother, but maybe it is his mother. Uh, who knows? They were so depraved. Who knows? It says in verse 12, it says, people who live in you accept bribes in order to shed blood. You take interest and profit on a loan and brutally extort your neighbors. You have forgotten me. This is the declaration of the Lord. See, they're just outlining some of their detestable acts. And then we go down to verse 15. It says, I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you among the countries. I will purge your uncleanness. The next section says, Jerusalem is God's furnace. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. The house of Israel has become merely dross to me. Now, what is dross? You put a metal like silver or gold or something in a furnace and you melt it down. You bring the temperature up to the melting temperature and you melt it down. What floats on the top are the impurities. And so that's dross and that's usually cleared off in order to clear uh, the purity of the metal. And it's useless. And so basically he's saying the word of man came to me. Son of man, the house of Israel has become useless to me. All of them are copper, tin, iron, and lead inside the furnace. They are just dross from silver. Verse 21, yes, I gather you together and blow on you with the fire of my fury, and you will be melted within the, within the city. So the Lord is saying, look, you're useless to me. I'm going to gather you all together, and I'm going to put an end to this. This is essentially what he's saying. In the next section, it says indictment of a sinful land. Verse 23, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to her, uh, you are a land that has not been cleansed, that has not received rain in the day of indignation. Verse 26, it says, her priests do violence to my instruction and profane my holy things. See, it says, my priests, you know, or or the word is saying her priests, in other words, Judah's priests, 
do violence to his instruction. See, they, 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 they essentially are ignoring, making up their own instruction, doing what they want to do, and they profane holy things. So things that are meant to be holy, they profane them. See, people, a lot of times people do things in the name of the Lord that is, <laughs> that is a perversion. That is a perversion of what the Lord has said and a perversion of what he desires. And when they do that, they profane holy things. It says they make no distinction between the holy and the common. That's another way of profaning holy things. When you reduce the holiness of something to make it no different than the common stuff. And it says, and they do not explain the difference between the clean and the unclean. And so it is the priest's job, the rabbi's job, if you're Jewish, you know, pastor, whatever you want to call them. It is their job to explain the things of the Lord to the people, to help them understand so people can know what it is they're doing, so people can do right in the eyes of the Lord, so that they cannot claim ignorance. So it is their job to explain these things to people. And it says, and they do not explain the difference between the clean and the unclean. And so the word is saying that, look, they do not, um, they do not instruct the people on the differences uh, between being righteous and unrighteous. Now, there are a lot of things that we know that we don't need to be taught. We just have an innate knowledge because God has dropped that into us. Some things, it might be a little confusing. We don't, don't necessarily know. You know, it is the priest, the pastor, the rabbi, whatever, is their job to clear this stuff up. You know, that's a part of their assignment. But it says here that they don't explain the difference between the clean and the unclean. In verse 27, it says, her officials within her are like wolves tearing the, their prey, shedding blood and destroying lives in order to make profit dishonestly. This is talking about the government officials, the politicians, if you will. You know, it says, uh, they are like wolves tearing their prey. See, they shed blood in order to make dishonest profit. Does that not sound familiar? <laughs> Verse 29, it says, The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and unlawfully exploited the resident alien. Verse 30, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on my behalf so that the land might not destroy itself. But I found no one. See, this is the Lord saying, I searched high and low for a man, just one. I searched for a man who might repair the wall and breach the gap, you know, who might be a bridge between me and the people. See, so on behalf of the land, so that the people might not destroy it. But the Lord could not find one, not one. It says in verse 31, so I poured out my indignation on them and consumed them with the fire of my fury. I have brought their conduct down on their own heads. This is the declaration of the Lord. Because he couldn't find one, not one. Oh. Chapter 23 the title says, The Two Immoral Sisters. And it says, The word of the Lord came to me again, son of man. There were two women, daughters of the same mother, who acted like prostitutes in Egypt, behaving, promiscu behaving promiscuously in their youth. Their breasts were fondled there and their virgin nipples caressed. 
The older one was named Ohola, and her sister uh, was named Oholiba. They became mine and gave birth to sons and daughters. As for their names, Ohola represents Samaria. Remember, Samaria was the capital in the northern kingdom, Israel. And Oholiba represents Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, the southern kingdom. So Aloha, uh, Ohola, <laughs> Aloha. Ahola, uh, this, uh, the sister that represents Israel, the northern kingdom, acted like a prostitute even though she was mine. She lusted after her lovers, the Assyrians, warriors dressed in blue, governors and prefects, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on steeds. She offered her sexual favors to them. All of them were the elite of Assyria. She defiled herself with all those she lusted after and with all their idols. So the word is is given illustration what the northern kingdom Israel did with foreign foreign nations. It says says she committed uh, prostitution. She she involved in intimate activities with them, you know, and it's referring to uh, adopting their idols, worshiping their gods being intimate with their practices. It says in verse 9, Therefore I handed her over to her lovers, the Assyrians she lusted for. They exposed her nakedness, seized her sons and daughters, and killed her with the sword. So if you remember, it was Assyria that assaulted and took over Israel. They're the ones that, that you know, exiled, if you will, the northern uh, uh, Israelites. And, and took them out of their land. And 150 or 200 years later, uh, the Babylonians did the same thing uh, to the Judeans. In verse 11, it said, Now her sister, Oholiba, uh, saw this. So she witnessed all this. So Judah witnessed all that Israel had, had, had done and all that Israel had gone through because of what they had done. And it says, But she was even more depraved in her lust than Ahola and made her promiscuous acts worse than those of her sister. Verse 14, but she increased her uh, promiscuity when she saw male figures carved in the wall, images of the Chaldeans engraved in bright red. At the sight of them, she lusted after them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. When she flaunted her promiscuity, and exposed her nakedness, I turned away from her in disgust, just as I turned away from her sister. Yet she multiplied her acts of promiscuity, um, permitting the days of her youth, yeah, oh, excuse me, remembering the days of her, her youth when she acted like a prostitute in the land of Egypt. In verse 20, it says, And lusted after their lovers, whose sexual members were like those of donkeys and whose emission was like that of stallions. <laughs> this is pretty graphic, you know. <laughs> In verse 21, it says, so, so you revisited the depravity of your youth when the Egyptians caressed your nipples and enjoyed your youthful breasts. Therefore, O Holiba, this is what the Lord God says. I am going to incite your lovers against you. Those you turned away from in disgust, I will bring them against you from every side, the, uh, the Babylonians and all the Chaldeans. In verse 24, 
where it says they will come against you with an assembly of peoples and the, and with weapons, chariots, and wagons. They will set themselves against you on every side with large and small shields and helmets. They will delegate judgment. Or excuse me. I will delegate judgment to them, and they will judge you by their own standards. So the Lord says, I'm going to give you over to the people you lust after, and they're going to judge you not by my standards, but by their own standards. <laughs> when I vent my jealousy, or well, excuse me, when I vent my jealous fury on you, they will deal with you in wrath. They will cut off your nose and ears, and the rest of you will fall by the sword. They will seize your sons and daughters, and the rest of you will be consumed by fire. Say, so, okay, you want them so bad? I'm going to give them to you. And this is what they're going to do. They're going to devastate you. Mm. The word says, I will strip off your clothes and take your beautiful jewelry. So I will put an end to your depravity and sexual immorality, which began in the land of Egypt. And so he's saying, okay, all this stuff, when you were in captivity in Egypt, this is when all this stuff began. And it says, um, I'm going to put an end to all this. This has gone on too far. And it says, and you will not look longingly at them or remember Egypt anymore. These things will be done to you because you acted like a prostitute with the nations, defiling yourself with idols. And so the Lord is saying, look, this isn't being done to you for no reason. This is being done to you because of what you have done. You are reaping what you have sowed. In verse 31, you have followed the path of your sister, so I will put her cup in your hand. So I'm going to put her cup of judgment in your hand because you witnessed what she did, but that was not a, apparently not a warning to you because you went on and you started doing things that she did and even worse anyway. Verse 36, and it says, uh, the Lord said to me, son of man, will you pass judgment against Ohola and Oholiba? <laughs> so again, he's saying, Ezekiel, are you going to do this? <laughs> you know, then declare their detestable practices to them, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. They have committed adultery with their idols and the children they bore to me, they have sacrificed in the fire as food for their idols. You know, it's just, these were my people. I had them bear children and instead of having them being dedicated to me in my ways, they sacrificed them in, their, in the fire to their idols. Let's go on to verse 24. And let's drop down here. Uh, where am I dropping down to? To verse 15, where it says the death of Ezekiel's wife, a sign. This is, this is kind of harsh. In verse 15, then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, I am about to take the delight of your eyes away from you with a fatal blow, but you must not lament or weep or let your tears flow. The word says, groan quietly, do not observe mourning rites for the dead, but put, your turban, but put on your turban and strap your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. In verse 18, it says, I spoke to the people in the morning, and my wife died in the evening. The next morning, I did just as I was commanded. So we see here that uh, Ezekiel's wife has passed, 
And he was instructed, you know, not to mourn. He was you know, not to publicly uh, mourn. And he said, you know, groan quietly. Do not observe any mourning rites. You know, do not do for the dead the things that are tra uh, tradition amongst your people with regard to what is done for the dead. That's a harsh word. And so he's saying, you know, this is what you're instructed to do. Your wife is going to die. Don't mourn. That's what it boils down to. Don't show any signs of grief, any signs of public grief. Then it says in verse 19, then the people asked me, why don't you tell us what these things you are doing mean for us? And so it was obvious that the people were noticing Ezekiel's reaction to his wife dying, and they were wondering, you know, what's going on? They had to have a sense that this is some kind of sign from the Lord because they knew Ezekiel was a prophet. They knew that he was an oracle of the Lord, and they witnessed what he was doing or what he wasn't doing, and they had a sense that this has something to do with us. What does this mean? And then it says in verse 20, So I answered them, The word of the Lord came to me. Say to the house of Israel, This is what the Lord God says. I am about to desecrate my sanctuary, the pride, um, the pride of your power, and the, and the delight of your eyes, and the desire of your heart. See, the, the, the Israelites, or the, the, the Judeans, um, they looked at the temple as their source of power and prestige because it was magnificent, see? And so, but he says, no, I'm about to desecrate this, says the Lord. The sign of your power, the sign of your prestige, the delight of your eyes, the, the desire of your heart, I'm about to take this away. It says, also the sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword. Now, in reading through this, I think that Ezekiel is prophesying this to the exiles. And when it says here, also the sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword, I think these are the, 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 this is the remnant left in Judah. And so um, sons and daughters that they left behind that did not go into exile with them, it says they will fall by the sword. In verse 22 it says, Then you will do just as I have done. You will not cover your mustache or eat the bread of mourners. Your turbans will remain on your heads and your sandals will remain on your feet. You will not lament or weep, but will waste away because of your iniquities and will groan to one another. He says, wow. Anyway, verse 24. Now Ezekiel will be a sign for you. You will do everything that he has done. When this happens, you will know that I am the Lord God. And so this is a sign to the people. Ezekiel is a sign to the people. You know, it's not some sign that's coming via the weather or, or some foreign invasion. E Ezekiel himself is the sign. And this is what's going to happen to you. Now that's a heck of a thing for, for Ezekiel to be a sign and to essentially pay for it with the death of his wife. But thus saith the Lord. And sometimes that's you know, when I, when I read some things like this or other things that I don't get, that I don't understand, the only thing I can do is say to myself, thus saith the Lord. And because he knows more than I know, and he has ways that are higher than my ways, he's more wise than I am, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and I just take it on faith that that is the way it's to be and that that is the way it should be. 
And so with that, we are going to conclude for today. We're going to pick up in episode 159 tomorrow and uh, in chapter 25. And again, I invite you, as I'm trying to do daily, to please consider Jesus. Consider all that was done, all that was done on the cross for us on our behalf so that we might have the opportunity to choose salvation. We'll get into the details of that as we get into the New Testament, but make that decision today. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants nothing but what's in your best, long-term, everlasting interest. Everybody take care. Have a blessed day. Stay safe. Bye-bye.